Guys, uh, I'm going to say Merry Christmas and uh, Merry Christmas Eve. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Arsenio, Arsenio's ESL Business English Podcast. You know what? Today is a very special one, okay? Because this is the first time I brought on someone onto my Business English Podcast. But let alone this wonderful individual right here. That, let me be, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I had a book. And then I opened up this book and I saw four people to my left. I looked up every last one of them on LinkedIn and two of them I reached out to. One of them was Lisa and Lisa is here today. We're going to be discussing a lot of things in regards to customer journey, but she right out of England, she's been in the game as an entrepreneur for 30 years, the queen of automation, business marketing, strategist, expert coaching, you name it. Oh my God. In just 30 minutes of talking to her on the pre-call, she changed the way I was thinking. So nonetheless, with all that energy aside, Lisa, man, thank you so, so much for coming on. My pleasure. So a bit of a high pedestal to fall from changing your thinking in 30 <laughs> minutes. Maybe I'll add that to my marketing. <laughs> oh man. You know, I'm just, again, man, I'm just so amazed and grateful at the same time and especially talking to someone who is like up there and I'm like okay I know she knows so much that I need to know and that's why I'm like you know what this type of knowledge needs to be shared with the world on a grand scale and now that I'm doing this business English podcast business podcast and whatnot this is going to be good so we're going to be discussing the customer journey but is there anything you want to say a little bit about yourself before we dive into what a customer journey is what's a customer journey the ideal customer journey is you encouraging not encouraging i'm gonna start that again the ideal customer journey is the way in which you want your customers to experience your business so people will come in you will raise their attention when you're doing your marketing going, you know, come here, come to me. You're attracting their interest and it's how you're doing that. And then what happens next uh, as far as when you're capturing their details, when you're then nurturing them and indoctrinating them into what you do, into then delivering for them the most fabulous uh, product or service that you do and the experience that they have during that. So it can be through operations. It can be through the customer experience through that. It's about the, if you're using other people to help deliver that customer service or that delivery of fulfillment of the product, it's the experience the staff are having as well. So you've got the marketing, pushes into the sales, pushes into the operations, pushes into the finance and all the touch points in the journey that your client is having through it to make sure that it's, it's ideal, it's uh, as smooth as possible, best experience, so that you turn them into raving fans and they do nothing but either come back for more or tell everybody else that they should be using you. Oh, oh my God. I'm so, you know, right at the end, you just hit me in so many ways because that's what had happened. Because, you know, sometimes Lisa, we have a tendency, or maybe even I have a tendency of always given, given, given before I ask. I don't want to just go out and just like market myself and say, Hey, buy this course, but they don't really know anything about me. So that's the whole marketing aspect of it. But the word of mouth and hearing like filmmakers in Brazil and hearing nurses in the Philippines say, Arsenio, oh my God, you helped me. I'm sharing your calendar and your podcast with everybody. That means so much because guess what? I didn't get one cent from that, but it's the fact that that's the power of the podcast. So that's kind of like my funnel, right? That's like my marketing. So 
Yeah, well, that's it's a big part of marketing. Referral marketing and word of mouth, word of mouth marketing are the most cost-effective forms of marketing for two reasons. One is that you don't have to pay for it. Well, unless you're paying for an affiliate, but like the nurses, wherever they are, they're not, you're not paying them. But number two is that the people they're selling to, they're already warmed up. So if you're going out there and you're trying to acquire new customers, you have to indoctrinate them and show them the value that, the offer, that you offer, the outcomes that people are going to have as a result of your product or service or, or listening to your podcast. You have to do that yourself. Whereas if somebody recommends you, it's like, it's already a done deal. Cause it's like, well, if he's saying it's cool, then it's like, I'm in. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Word of mouth marketing and referral marketing are the most effective forms of marketing on price. And you will get a lot more conversions from people coming in by that route as well. You ask anyone with a successful business who is monitoring and measuring, which you always should where your leads come from what the most successful channel of marketing is. And I will lay money that it is on referral, networking, and uh, word of mouth marketing. Wow. Oh my God. So even, okay, just, just because, well, just so we could put this full circle, because, you know, me and you, we talked about the good old Kit Kat. Is, is that right? Unless I forgot what the rapper was. But again, for those of you watching on video, she's going to, potentially <laughs> whip it out and she has whipped it out tell us the I story found of that it. i literally found it in a box when i was having a clear out a few weeks ago i used to make computer games back in the early 1990s uh up until probably for about 15 years so up to about 2005 i made computer games uh for people like kitkat which is owned by nestle and McRitties and Kellogg's and Quaker and Ferrero Rocher and Adidas. And we work with, with the large brands either making promotional software or um, have with their presence. So like the FIFA, uh, the Adidas ball in FIFA or the branding in Sony Gran Turismo, those kinds of things. That's what we do. Oh my God, <laughs> Gran Turismo. Like I just, I love it, man. That nostalgia just ran right over my head. And when you say 90s, I think of everything 90s. So looking at how the marketing and everything was back then, I mean, we could just see the evolution, right? If we look at video games and stuff, we have Blockbuster, we have video cassettes, we went to DVDs. And to be honest with you, I don't think DVDs lasted very long. I believe cassettes possibly lasted a little bit longer before it went straight into, okay, everything's done online now. So oh, looking you at- You haven't even touched on, there used to be in between. So we started obviously with VHS and Betamax, and then it goes to the CDs. But as far as video is concerned, there used to be these bigger video discs that were like 12 inch record discs. Uh, which slightly were before uh, CDs for movies. I remember that because I, I worked in animation for a while as well, uh, that we, uh, we used to put it on that. And you haven't even touched on floppy disks, you know, that when we used to have to put low games on 12 floppy disks. Yeah, and then you had multiple CDs for some of them as well before we got online delivery. Oh, yeah, it's, my it's come God. a long way in a very short period of time very short period of time from when we went you know probably when online delivery became more uh, accessible when we went from modem and dial up into a more kind of ethernet world uh and the the signal got stronger that online delivery became a thing right and touch and mobile phones are all of it technology the speed has been exponential my kids 
my kids were born in 2000, 2002, they still had cassettes and videos just in their lifetime of what's happened with, with technology. But they're, and they're native to it. But now the kids coming in that are younger, you've got four or five year olds who can get an iPad and go onto YouTube and find the, the thing they want to watch. It's, they're completely native to it. The, the world doesn't exist without it. Oh my God. You are like, it, it, and that's what I want to touch up on like right here, right now, because you're four decades in the game. 90s, 00s, 10s, and 20s. Not to make us sound all big. I know you're getting ready to say, wait. <laughs> yeah. I know you're like, hold it, hold it. <laughs> I had my first business in 1990. That was, that was when I became an entrepreneur. I was 19. Right. Wow. And so you are the queen of adaptability because you went through, you're like on the fourth decade. And compared to the nineties, I know I'm old now, man. I said, look, I got no hair here. I am sad right now. Okay. <laughs> but you and your ability to be able to adapt with your business. What are some of the key lessons and some of the biggest things you learned throughout like those four, because there's been so much that has changed and you have adapted to that, especially with marketing. So if you want to touch up on the marketing side of it and say, well, marketing is different now because we got social media. There's no more newspapers. There's no more magazines. No, marketing's not different, Asenio. Marketing's not oh. different. The channels you deliver marketing through are different. Okay. Marketing okay. principles, the same as business principles. So I've been in, I've been in hospitality. I've been in retail. I've been in software digital. I've been in marketing. I've been in many uh, different, I've been in construction. I've been in many different types of business industries and the business rules, the business rules are the same, the same as marketing rules. They don't change, just the, the environment changes, but the rules of play in order to be successful remain the same. It's as simple as that. Okay. You know, it's, it's the focus, it's the planning, it's the dedication, it's knowing planning people set goals and then they don't put this right i've got a goal how am i going to get to that goal what's the strategy that i'm going to do it so i'm going to do it this but then what's the plan to make the strategy happen and people don't follow through so it's the same rules for kind of everything it's the same with marketing you, you do you, you choose what you're going to do you choose who you who you want to reach how you're going to reach and where are those people hanging out right so if you want to have if you want to reach a certain avatar you go and you might have more than one avatar for your business because you might have different products or services or you might be able to have a similar offering for a different niche you just position it slightly differently so who are you targeting specifically where are those people hanging out what's the best way to reach them so you can get their eyeballs and their interest and then you've just got to work with that and stay with it and test it and test your headlines and test the mediums um, to, to get the, the flow. But then it's your sales process. Once you've got their attention, how do you make sure that you, you educate them correctly, that you make the offer? Um, and then what do you do with the people that aren't ready to buy yet? A lot of people just fall out because it's like, oh, I'm only going to sell to the people that are ready to buy now. But what about all the people that are going to be ready to buy later? 
you just you just spend all that time getting their interest and it's like they're not quite ready so we need to give them you know some more education or it's not the right time in their life stay front of mind then you know the convert the people get them invested in selling you on or offering them more how can you how can you grow your business that way so marketing is the same you look at any of the big products whether it be apple or ibm or mcdonald's or anyone they just you know and they tested and they start with what works so the, the principles are the same it's just the environment that's changed Whew. okay just on uh, again i'm going to say that again just on that so you talked about you just said that oh my god i get man there was just so much that was said but demographics right so where are your people where are they hanging out this that right but then you also said okay people who are willing to pay now and people who might pay so this is something where a lot of people have a little tug of war with right because you got two different types of markets i'd like to say people who reach out to me through my podcast and they follow me on instagram I'm not going to say and just label them as the people with money market, but I'm going to name them the people with interest market because they're already willing to buy right out the blocks. However, on Facebook, it's completely different and it feels like it's a taker's market. So I know um, Phil Berg, he was actually on the video that I had sent you. He said, well, are people, are there really time wasters? Because if there are time ways, if they are inquiring, they will potentially be a customer. So that's just, you know, backing up what I, you had I, just I said. I agree with Phil and I know Phil and he's not wrong. And there's very few people who know as much about sales as Phil. Uh, but he's not wrong. If somebody's showing an interest, the chances are they will buy at some point, but maybe just not now. We have to remember the buyer's journey is... Um, People will buy when they are ready, not when you are ready for them to buy. They will buy when they are ready to buy. And we forget that. So, no, no, I'm ready to sell. I'm ready to sell. You need to buy now. So, you know, that whole nurture. I had this conversation actually with a, with a client yesterday when I was talking to her about why when she gets to her sales call for people that she's warmed up, people that have booked a call with her to have a discovery call. It's like, okay, well, why aren't they paying? And she got it down to three things. One is price. So if someone's not willing to pay your price, you know, my opinion is you never discount. You always add value, never lower your prices. Now, yes. so it's either price. So you can spread the payments maybe, or, you know, something like that. But if they haven't got the money, then they're not your customer and that's okay. Let them go. Let them, you know, that is their journey. Like then you've got mm. people who don't necessarily understand potentially the process of delivery. This was for her. The process, this was, she helps people write books. So people that are entrepreneurs who are, and people in personal development, she helps them write books. So she's going, well, sometimes people don't understand the process to, that it takes over a year to write a book. So then it's okay, well, let's educate them on what that is, get them comfortable with it. And then maybe it's their time investment in the delivery of the product. And the other one is the mindset. They're not ready yet. So all of that can be dealt with, with education and staying in touch and nurturing them. Now, whether you're delivering that nurturing through a Facebook group or a Facebook page or through emails or staying in touch with podcast episodes of nurturing them and educating them until they are ready to buy because it's the right time for them and you're the right product, then 
you know, you, you've got to account for all of them, not just go, well, you're not ready to buy now, I'm moving on. Because you wasted a lot of energy getting those people in and you'll be grateful for them later. Oh, wow. Oh, man, journey, journey. And being like, you don't want to be someone who's trying to hard sell. Now, what do you think? What's your whole thing about hard sell? Because again, you talk about the journey and you talk about like me, giving the content, giving the content, giving the content. I don't know exactly when it was they first heard me to when they reached out to me, but those seeds may have been planted. And with a lot of people in their businesses, these seeds could have been planted a very long time ago. And someone is barely reaching out to you two years later. So again, I love that mindset that you have, but like with hard selling and on LinkedIn specifically, like you having the business, like a customer journey, hard selling, what's your opinion? Because ugh, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you've given it yourself there. No one likes to be sold to. I, I, well, for, I, I, you know, I would challenge that there's anybody out there that likes to be sold to. No, you know, they're, they're there to get informed if they need a product. It's like people on Amazon, right? You go to Amazon because you want to buy. You know, that's an environment that, that is kind of exclusive to that. I would say that in your messaging, you, shouldn't, you should not have more than 20% of your messaging of selling. You should be offering value. You should be educating people. You know, value-based marketing where people, everyone wants something for nothing. And you can give people loads and loads without devaluing your product. Or just this is, you know, it's, it's like me with the customer journey. I can talk to people about customer journeys all day long. My clients are the ones that go, I really need to have my customer journey done and implemented because that's part of what we do as well. We actually with automation and copywriters, we help people put their customer journey into place and design it and train them into it is and lead people to be experts at what they're good at. If it's a dentist, go fix people's teeth. We'll help you with your customer journey, right? But as far as the selling message, 20% sales message in, in value-based marketing. Let people build trust and they will come to you when they know they have the problem that you solve for them because that's marketing. Marketing is you identify the problem, you market the solution. And sometimes people don't even know that they have that problem. When I talk to people about email delivery, people are out there doing email marketing all day long. And then well, what they don't realize is that a large proportion of their mails that are not getting opened and not even getting into the inbox. And the amount of people who go, I hadn't even thought of that. They're just going in the junk folder and the spam folder. They didn't, I'm marketing the solution to the problem, get into the inbox with your mails. And people have gone, I didn't even know I had the problem that my mails were going into junk folders. Market the solution to the problem. Oh my God. Yeah, I just saw you uh, writing a bunch of that and you having these live classes and everything coming up. I think there's one coming up January 13th, 14th, 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Michael, I do fortnightly calls. I have a private Facebook group for business owners and we do calls every two weeks. So our next one is in January, finished for the year. Gotcha. Okay. Oh my God. So no problem. No problem. Um, wow, man. So I heard you talk about templates before, and this was on another video. I have to send that to you. Uh, it is in the same book. I'm telling you, Lisa's in all books, people, but nonetheless. <laughs> so 
when you close a meeting and you try closing a client, again, I'm speeding up a little bit in regards to the beginning of the customer journey. I kind of went into the hard selling aspect and now kind of a little bit at the end, but I'm going to go back to like that funnel and how to da, 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 da. But you mentioned that, okay, you know, um, Robert, you said he's living out there in Tuscany. He talked about reflection. UT takes about 24 hours to reflect. You you went into the, okay, uh, well, I can't really remember, but you talked about <laughs> templates. And I, I know I just watched it yesterday. Uh, I'm just full of BS right now. Um, and so again, like you talked about like having those templates and, uh, oh man, it's just, right. it's so, so fascinating I because I think- you mean of, is when you do your follow-up, okay? You, you know, if you know your product, you know the objections that people have to making a decision on the selling. It's important as well that if you're dealing with high value clients that you're with the decision maker, or if you're not with the decision maker, you make sure they have all the information they need, and you, you answer all the questions. So uh, if you have, I call them like snippets. So paragraphs on the different things that are relevant because not everything's gonna be relevant to everyone of have your, have your ideal follow-up email of, hi Arsenia, it was great to speak to you this is the problem that I identified that you had and you can flesh that out a bit, but you have the template available so that the format of what you're, you are sending back to them, you're not having to rewrite it every time. But this is the problem. These are the solutions that we discuss. This is how you can move forward with it. Now you've got four key types of people that you, that you need to understand that you're speaking to because our responsibility is is to make sure that the words we say are understood, not to expect the listener to adapt how they're listening to figure out, they've got to burn too many calories to figure out what it is we're trying to say, we're going to lose them and they're going to go, oh, I'm bored now, it's too much that hard work. So if you think about the four different characteristics and there's, you can dive deep into each of these, so they are just top line ones. You've got the people that just want the information, just give me what I need to know, I'm busy, tell me what I need to know. You've got the people that I need to understand the creative process or the visionaries who need to have the picture of what's going on. You've got the people that need to understand the process. You know, where do we start? Where do we finish? And what's going to happen in between? And then you've got the people who need to understand the emotional aspect of how are we going to feel about it? Uh, you know, am, am I going to feel elated at the end of it? Am I going to feel relieved at the end of it? Am I going to feel fulfilled at the end of it? You know, you've got... Those four key types of people. So if you bear that in mind, either read the person that you are responding to so that you write the communication. Because if you speaking to someone who just wants the information, you're going into really flowery sentences and it's loads of text, you're going to lose them. They're just going to go, I'm bored. I'm like that. Long sales copy doesn't resonate with me, right? So, and this is about testing your market. If you're working with entrepreneurs, you kind of want to keep it sweet and simple and to the point because they've got a very short attention span. It's like, just tell me what I need to know and let me move on. And if they need to explore more about something, give them access to that. So if you ha I have templates of follow-up emails so that for the specific solutions that we offer, or if we were working with someone with different areas of their pipeline or their customer journey, we, we go up, we're working on the attract phase of how you're attracting clients and the messaging there and, and keep it focused. But I have templates that I go back and I just fill out as relevant for that client, but the format is there. Was that kind of what you were after? 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I'm guessing the initial when you meet these people online and whatnot, you hurry up and like, do you hurry up and put them in those categories? Like, okay, I know exactly what he wants. He's this type. I mean, are you like that? Whoa. Yeah, you, can, you can, you can, you go read someone's um, LinkedIn profile. You'll be able to get a sense of that. The people that are telling you how they operate, they're process driven, a lot of engineers, right? This is, gotcha. this is how we operate. This is what we do. As opposed to the creatives in marketing who are telling you all the wonderful outcomes that they provide for people and the visions and the creative and the people who are telling you how they feel about it. You, you can get a sense of it quite quickly from people. Dude, that is so amazing. See, this is exactly why, again, I was like, man, I need to, I need to pick Lisa's brain because, again, I'm learning a lot from it. Again, me being already an outstanding people's person, there are still so many other things that I can get better at, especially in the world of business. So, um, finished product, always learning, always learning. Anyone that thinks they're the done deal is like, I haven't got, you know. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm always learning. There's always more. I'm always upskilling. I heard, I was speaking with someone the other day and they were talking about, I'll tell you what it was. There was another podcast. I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast around Daniel Eck, who is the founder of Spotify, one of the co-founders of Spotify, who talks about his journey and how he looks at the next job that he has to perform and the next role that he has to perform in Spotify and how he needs to upskill himself in order to fulfill that role because if you want to i'm you're not a ceo of a million dollar company or a hundred million dollar company right when you start out in business you need to acquire those skills those leadership skills the knowledge of the business and the marketing and all the rest of it you constantly have to upskill you are never ever the finished product that is so small oh my god that was a golden nugget like a lot of people just think, okay, so I'm going to get this salary. I'm going to achieve this. And then I'm going to be able to do this. It's kind of like when I started doing a lot of training at companies in regards to email writing and whatnot. If I didn't prepare myself in regards to email writing, my presentation skills, you know, what colors I use, how I'm going to operate. Okay. How are they going to feel at this time? And I wouldn't have been ready. So again, upskilling is everything. So, oh man. Okay. Now I told everyone and you said it on our pre-podcast call. You said, begin with the end in mind. We're both big Stephen Covey fans. Okay. We love some Stephen Coveys. And so goal setting. Now, Lisa, even before we came on to here, we were discussing, okay, what's going on Christmas? You're like, okay, got to plan ahead. But again, you told me something different. You told me you, I made myself rewire the way I do goal setting. So I begin at the end. Okay, by the end of 2021, this is where I'll be in these categories. And then you plan from the end of 2021 to the beginning of 2021. How do you do goal setting and how do you plan? Because you just mentioned that about 20 minutes ago too. This is okay. good. <laughs> so, so, uh, okay. So at the end of 2021, and you might have more than one goal, but at the end of 2021, I want to be here. So, okay. So is that realistic? First of all, smart goals are really important that they are, that they're, they're measurable and they're realistic and they're time bound and all the rest of it. So smart goals are super, super important. Um, 
the so you start with the end in mind you go okay this is the goal that i want to achieve well what do i need to do to get there well i need to do this or i need to have this many clients i need to have this many clients and i need to in order to have that many clients i need to have these marketing assets in place and in order to have these marketing assets in place i need to research this that or the other and then you build the to-do list so you've got the actual goal then you've got the strategy that you're going to achieve it and then you've got the plan and the action points the critical drivers that are going to help you achieve the strategy that is going to push you forward to reach the goal so a goal is going to be made up of, of loads of different strategies and many strategies in order to fulfill it and then you want to work out well that strategy is and if you're an entrepreneur, double it. That strategy is going to take you six weeks to so 12 weeks if you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> because we always think things are going to be way easier. It's the curse of the entrepreneur. We also think it's going to be way easier and it's all going to come to us and all the results are going to be, um, are, are going to be winning. But setting a specific goal is really important. I had one the other day on my goal setting call where someone went, my, my goal is growth. And I'm like, well, how much growth? You know, because you could grow by $10 a month or you could grow by $100 a month or you could grow by $10,000 a month. So, you know, what's realistic? Excuse me a minute, so I'm let my dog out. Okay, Sorry, no I'm problem, sorry. no problem. You're okay, you're okay. No, 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 I'm here. He's just whining at my dog. So, <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can grow by $1,000, $10,000 a month, whatever that might be. So, but it's got to be realistic. So, if you're... Someone said to me they wanted to do a six-figure month. So they wanted to do $100,000 a month. But to grow it in, you know, how much time is that realistically going to take once you bring it back with the products that you have and the clients that you need to access? Is that, okay, well, that's probably more like a three-year goal. So let's bring that down to a $100,000 quarter. So what have we got to do in order that in a three-month period we hit sales of $100,000? And let's not forget as well that turnover isn't profit. It's no good having a $30,000 month if it costs you $29,000 to get the $30,000. So knowing your numbers and your, your, your margins for gross profit and net profit are super important. So, okay, so we want $100,000 quarter. What have we got to do to make that happen. Well, we need to act, we need to sell this many products in this many of our product ranges. Okay, we're taking each of those product lines. If we want to sell our $5,000 product, what have we got to do in order to make that happen? Well, I need a pre-selling webinar. For the pre-selling webinar, I need to write the copy and I need to decide what the content's going to be and then I need to do the marketing around it. So, you know, it's, it's processing out backwards the to-do list to meet the strategy to achieve the goal. Does that make sense? Oh, hell yeah, that makes sense. Oh my God. I so never thought about it that way. It backwards. That's why you have to do it backwards. Wow. And then, and then you have to put those action points and those to-dos into your diary and work it in with the rest of your life. <sighs> this is what I was afraid of you saying. Like, because again, Brendan Bouchard, he talks about that. He's like, Okay, with goal setting, show me in your calendar exactly when are you going to commit to this, commit to this. It's kind of like, okay, book. Okay, I'm going to write a book about like, okay, the lessons and everything I've achieved out here in Thailand. Okay, but how am I going to work that? So now I have, a oh, that, that's just so smart. But it's scary because now you have to think about all the time. 
Because the thing is, we never put time into a consideration. You know what I mean? So when you think from back to front, then this time and you're like, oh my God, look at all the, holy, do I really want to do this? <laughs> but time, time management is another thing, okay? So, you know, to, to, to be a successful entrepreneur or a business owner, I truly believe that you have to have harmony and balance and that's not to say that I do I'm not like going yeah look at me I'm perfect that's not what it is but I know this to be true is that self-care has to be first because if putting your own oxygen mask on first you know you can't pour from an empty cup whatever metaphor you want for that but if you don't look after yourself you're not serving uh, your customers your colleagues uh, your family so you have to look after yourself first it's not selfish it's necessary because you will let other people down if you can't look after yourself, number one. Number two is planning. So my calendar, for example, I have recurring stuff. All my clients go in on recurring meetings so I can see exactly where I'm at. I have two half days a week blocked out, one for marketing, one for sales. So that's the strategy that I'm working on in those two half days. And that's like an appointment that I'm not going to miss. So you work it in, going to the gym is put in there, having your hair done, having your nails done, walking the dog, whatever it might be. And it's all in your calendar. Then you don't feel overwhelmed that you're not getting stuff. Reading time should be in there. Thinking time should be in there so that you can see that the map of your life works and it's balanced. Family time, relationships, that kind of stuff. Doing a wheel of life. I do a lot of wheels of life. Um, because then it's a touch point for me. If I do it every week or every month, you know, it's like, okay, what's going on with me right now? I find it a really effective way to check in with myself of like where I need to bring focus, whether it be relationships or self-care or exercise or health, whatever. Do you do those quick checkups like at any time? Like, okay, I feel like there is something negligent happening. I feel that my energy or something's wrong here or there. Like you psychic in general. Negligent. Does it could mm. just be a check-in? I mean, I keep a spreadsheet uh, anywhere yeah, yeah, for yeah. myself on from a uh, who was it who was doing? I think Jim Collins does the plus two to minus two of you know plus two is absolutely amazing and minus two is there's a problem here. Um, mm. I do mine one to five, where I'm checking in on on the key areas of my life, whether my relationship, my families, my finances, my health and fitness, and I'm trying to just keep notes every day of what am I doing? Did I eat well? Did I exercise just to spot the trends? Because if I'm having a bad day or a slump or I need to see if there's something I can do to see it coming, to avoid it, to not get myself to burn out, to take more time out, to eat better, eat more of the right things, to keep myself performing so that I can be there for my kids. I can be there for my clients. I can be there for myself. So Oh, we've meandered a little bit there. So yeah, the wheel of life I have in my journal, I'll just sketch one out every now and then. And just as a check-in, it doesn't, nothing has to be wrong for me just to check in and maybe compare it. Because one of the other things that we don't do enough of as business owners is celebrate our successes and see how far we've come, right? We're constantly climbing the mountain and seeing how far we've got to go. And we're not going, look at how far I've come. And that's what's so important about the journey. Because again, Les Brown has said before, like the journey is more important than the dream itself, what you become throughout that entire process. 
because the stories that are going to make it when you actually get there and you look back and say, oh my God, look at all, you know what I mean? Like that's that moment where you just have that overflowing abundance of gratitude, knowing that you've been through all of that, the trials, the tribulations, and you've overcome, uh, overcome everything. Well, that's, but that's the thing that, that you, you contributing back. That's the only thing that you can learn from and people can learn from. And not, nothing is a success without a failure. People, people don't, don't learn anything going from success to success. You only learn when you, you have to figure something out and it's, and it's hard, you know, not, not when it's super easy. No one learns anything when it's super easy. It depends right, how far you exactly. want to go, what you want to achieve and why you want to achieve it. Right. Oh man, so much, so much brilliance, man. I am so, so, okay. So I, I think we've summed up like that whole goal set. And I'm going to have to like break that up into like a separate podcast because that was just really, really good in regards to goal setting and everything. But um, yeah, I just, whoo. So in saying that, looking at the journey and again, we've talked about the customer journey in general and uh, there's so, still so many other areas that like micros that we can actually go through and whatnot. But from the f- beginning to the end, to sum this up, like how should a customer feel when, they, when you bring them into your business? Like from the beginning to the end, or is it always like I expect them to reoccur, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. Keep, how, how do you see it? Like how do you want that experience to be? It should be an experience, right? Absolutely. One minute. (laughs) No problem. You're asking me. Okay. So I'm going to throw this back at you. I'm going to ask you when you were last a customer or a client of someone, what was your experience of them? Or just pick somewhere you had an experience. What, what was your experience of a customer? Okay, well, uh, this year, April, uh, I did a transformation program uh, in the midst of COVID because I had a lot of time, uh, like a lot of free time and stuff. So the beginning, very, very excited. And then at the end, it was just like, whoa, like, like blown away. Going into it, though, my expectations, I was like, okay, let's see what's going on here. But then at the end of it, that was the beginning of a new me. I mean, that experience You had a transformational experience. Huge, absolutely. With our businesses, and it doesn't really matter, I think, what we're doing, if we can offer a transformational versus a transactional experience. (gasps) Transformational versus transactional. I'm going to have to write that down. Transformational, transactional. Yeah, and and that's what's so... Go ahead. In some way... Somebody is changed by the experience, their, their life or thinking, or, you know, if you're selling a product, it could be that they're, well, it's a health product or, you know, but their experience has been transformed as a result. Mm. And even, oh man, I love that. You know, Right when you said that, like all the beautiful students I've had the pleasure of helping and them achieving their goals and like at the end, like you were saying, fulfillment, that was it. I did this. I'm going to do my master's in this country, at Cambridge, at York, wherever it may be, to better the society back home in Yemen or in Djibouti and different places like that. I, and so 
but also following up and saying, hey, you know, just a, a happy New Year's, a Merry Christmas, whatever it may be, to show that it's not transactional. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. That, you know what I mean? Because I don't want it to look as a big transaction like a lot of people may, you know, approach it, you know? So that's very important for a lot of people out there who are entrepreneurs and business owners in general. Well, this, this loops back to the beginning of the conversation around who are your clients. So when you're doing your avatar, you know, is, is the value map, you know, when, when you're doing your avatar, you're looking at the, the characteristics that your prospects have, the problems that they're experiencing, the objections around why they're, then, you know, they haven't already solved this problem that you offer the solution to. Um, and then you, you, if you look at the reality of their life before they have your product or service and what the reality of their life is going to be afterwards, that comes into your marketing. That's your messaging is before you do this, which is why it's so important that you buy the product is because the problem you're experiencing is this. This is where you're at now. And this is where we're going to transform your life to be. Mm. You see what I mean? So what's their, what's their reality for them emotionally? What's the reality for their lifestyle now before? What's the pain and the cost of staying in that space? What happens if I don't change? What, what, what is it going to mean to me, to my family, to my finances, to my kids, to whatever? If I don't address this problem, then what's my life going to be? In steps, Arsenia, with the solution. If you do this program or you have this service or you have this product, it will transform you into this reality afterwards with these benefits taking you out of that pain and, the, and what that's costing you. And you just put in that into fruition, like, wow. Like you couldn't have put it any better because now I understand completely like, if you don't change, Arsenio, you're going to continue doing the same things you've already, that you've always done. Where has that gotten you? And then after... Not just where has it gotten you, but if you don't take action and implement a solution, then in one year, three years, five years, 10 years, what yeah. with the people that love you, your life, the people that you are, you impact, you know, what, what did, What's the impact on them for you not going through this transformation? Mm. Oh, Whether man, it's not having enough money, point. not having enough whatever. Right. What's the impact? Wow. Man. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Man. <laughs> so much was covered. There's still so much to dive into, but you know what? I want, again, I'm going to be putting your links and everything in the description and whatnot. To top this off, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience in regards to what you do? It could be anything. With what I do? Uh, what do I do? I... A lot. <laughs> no, well, I do the ideal customer journey. That kind of sums it up, you know, of, of ensuring that your clients have the best path and the best experience through the business uh, as well as the staff and their experience of delivering that product as well to make it easy. Um, it, you know, all the way through, it's my passion of making sure that business owners are unleashed from their businesses. And that a lot of that comes with automation and around systemization um, and being efficient in your business and not being in a hamster wheel. 
There it is. Not being in the hamster wheel. Guys, with that being said, man, you know what? Lisa has so many great things, of course, on her LinkedIn. She posts excellent articles and a lot of other things on, man, I'm telling you, you can learn on a consistent basis with this. So make sure, again, I'll put her link in the good old description along with every other, you know, all the other links that she sends me. But Lisa, I can't believe I am so, so grateful that I saw your name and I, I was listening to just one minute and I said, man, her, Robert, Phil, all these people are brilliant. Let me just, just, I don't know, just throw something in the sky and hopefully something will uh, manifest. And well, you, you manifested you it. No, you took action. You didn't wait for anything. Right. You went and happened to life instead of life happening to you. You made it happen. Mm. You reached out, you contacted me, you opened the dialogue with me and here we are. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Again, you guys, I know it's not Christmas Eve right now in regards to, you know, where we're at, but you guys are listening to this on Christmas Eve. So nonetheless, man. Merry Christmas. Have a great new year, guys. Absolutely, man. I just want to say, guys, for everyone who has followed me to see these numbers blow up the way they are, man. I just want to say I'm so grateful for everyone. I'm even more grateful for this wonderful human being that took the time out of her extremely busy day to come on here and speak nothing but knowledge bombs. Lisa, much, much gratitude. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Arsenia.